Hello, everyone. Welcome to our The Week That Was in Europe podcast. My name is Dirk Schumacher. I'm the head of European macro research at Natixis. And with me, as usual, is Klaus Adam, professor of economics at the University of Mannheim. Hello, also from my side. So today we'd like to talk about whether the ECB should change its inflation target. This is a hotly contested topic at the moment and uh, prominent economic commentators For instance, Adam Toos from Columbia University or Olivier Blanchard from the Patterson Institute have argued that a higher inflation target would be desirable, partly because bringing inflation down to the 2% target would prove too costly for the economy. Among central bankers, however, this topic is much less popular and many central bank governors in the euro area have outrightly rejected the idea of touching the inflation target. In today's podcast, we will revisit the arguments that affect the optimal inflation target from a wide range of viewpoints, including the ones brought forward by various commentators and the ones presented by central bankers. And last but not least, also the ones coming out of academic research. So we start with a quick recap on where we stand with inflation and the ECB's inflation target. Dirk. Yeah, so headline inflation in the euro area is currently running um, at the rate of 5.5% so year over year. And these are the June data, the latest observation that's available at the time of this recording. Um, and an inflation rate of 5.5% represents obviously a significant decline compared to the inflation peak of 10.6% that was reached in October last year. But at the same time, the 5.5% rate is still far away from the ECB's target of 2%. And almost all of the decline in headline inflation that we have seen thus far can be attributed to the plunge in energy prices. Uh, just to remind you, wholesale gas prices in Europe, for instance, have dropped by 90% from their peak in August of 2022. Yeah, that's right. So most of the decline we've seen thus far is energy related. And th this can partly be seen by looking at so-called core inflation in the euro area, which takes out energy and also food prices from the consumption basket. If we look at core inflation, uh, this inflation rate has been steadily rising to 5.7% until March of 2023, and it has since declined only marginally, standing at 5.4% in June. There are thus no strong signs yet of a significant reversal in core inflation rates, that is, of the inflation rates beyond food and energy. Of course, inflation in the core segment is also, at least indirectly, influenced by energy prices, and we might see such a reversal going forward, but that remains to be seen. Now, let's have a brief look at the history of the ECB's inflation target, or inflation objective, as it's called in ECB speak. So perhaps not surprisingly, the ECB has indeed changed the inflation objective and its definition of price stability several times during its existence. So initially, the ECB did not have an inflation objective at all, but stated only that uh, started out with a so-called price stability definition. And this definition says that price stability required, I quote, a year-on-year -year increase in the harmonized index of consumer prices for the euro area of below 2%. And this definition allowed potentially for quite a wide range of acceptable inflation rates. But then in 2003, 
the inflation objective was added to the price stability definition and the ECB stated that inflation objective is for, infl for the inflation rate to be quote close to but below 2%. Finally, in 2021, the ECB has moved to a symmetric inflation objective of 2% with downward and upward deviations being equally disliked. Yeah, interestingly, these uh, changes in the inflation objective were related to economic circumstances and necessities prevailing at the time. For instance, following its creation, the ECB sought to establish its inflation-fighting credentials and thus opted for an asymmetric definition of inflation being below 2%. Following then the deflationary pressures that uh, occurred after the burst of the dot-com bubble and the start of the 2000s, the ECB clarified that it actually wanted to be close to but below 2%, so not too far below 2 And uh, that was an important change. And then following the again persistent undershooting of the inflation rate uh, following the 2007-8 financial crisis, it went from the close to but below 2% to an outright 2%, which represented a slight upward move in the inflation target that from now on also should be understood as being symmetric. Yeah, what's interesting here is the fact uh, that the ECB undershot its target historically and response that moved in, in, in response to that moved the inflation target up and not down, which meant that it increased the distance between the actual inflation and the target through its target change. Applied to the present situation with a high inflation rate, that would mean that the ECB would actually lower the inflation target, which is certainly not what commentators ask for. So why did the ECB move in the direction it did? Well, the ECB was reacting to structural changes in the economy, in particular persistently low inflation pressures, and it sought to prevent the possibility of a persistent deflation by moving the target slightly upwards. So to sum up, economic commentators can point to a history of changes in the ECB's inflation objective. And in fact, the ECB announced in its 2021 strategy review that it expects to review the inflation objective again in 2025. What is also true is that the ECB never moved its inflation target in a direction that reduced the distance between actual outcomes and the target. Economic necessities actually caused the ECB to move always in the opposite direction. But perhaps the necessities nowadays have changed in a way that higher inflation objective is required. That's certainly a possibility, and this is what we discuss next. We start by discussing the economic forces that determine the ECB's inflation target and how these have moved over time. We begin with the ECB's own arguments, then review what economic research has to say, and finally move on to some of the arguments put forward by economic commentators. Let's start out with the points brought forward by the ECB itself in its 2021 monetary policy strategy review regarding its inflation target. So the ECB listed, listed three arguments why it wants to have a positive rate of inflation of 2%. Number one is that it wants to have a positive inflation buffer because this lifts normal interest rates up and thereby provides space for interest rate cuts in the event of adverse shocks. Inflation is thus an important uh, safety margin against the risk of deflation. 
we think on this point here, the, there's no new sense of strategy view view in 2021. In particular, deflationary pressures are certainly not estimated to be higher than we thought in 2021. So this argument cannot justify a higher inflation objective from the ECB's point of view. So let's now move on to point number two mentioned in the strategy review. And that is that the inflation target should facilitate cross-country macroeconomic adjustment in the euro area. This is important because nominal wages are really hard to cut so that having a little bit of inflation facilitates the downward adjustment of real wages if that is needed for rebalancing the economy. And a slight amount of inflation is thus an evil that the ECB is willing to tolerate if it prevents high unemployment in countries where real wages have to fall, but nominal wages simply don't. We don't think that we have learned anything new on this front either, we have gotten confirmation that real wages come indeed down quite strongly with inflation, as the mechanism assumes, but downward nominal wage rigidities are not a bigger concern now than they have been back in 2021. So again, on this front, there is no news for the ECB's inflation objective. Reason number three, mentioned by the ECB for a positive inflation buffer of 2%, is the fact that inflation measurement itself is imperfect because it fails to properly account for quality progress. As a result of this, measured inflation tends to be higher than in an ideal world where we can perfectly control for price increases that are due to quality improvements. For example, a car today is a lot more expensive than a car 10 years ago, but of course it's quite different cars. It, it has different quality and, and knowing exactly what is inflation, what is quality is just very difficult. So again, on the measurement front, we have not received any news since 2021. Given all this, it's easy to see why Euro-era central bankers are reluctant to engage in a discussion of raising the inflation objective. Given the arguments brought forward by them in the uh, past revision round, there's simply no need to adjust the target. So now let's move on to some of the other arguments about the inflation target, in particular the ones raised in academia and by economic commentators. So the number one news that uh, perhaps comes out of past years of academic research is that the ECB might not have gotten its reference point wrong. That is, the ECB always argues why inflation needs to be positive, thereby implicitly using zero inflation as its reference points. Many models of the optimal inflation target indeed have zero inflation as their normative reference point, but recent research has shown that this reference point is due to overly simplistic modeling of microeconomic trends in product prices. The reference point in the euro area, this research suggests, should be more somewhat around 1.5% inflation rather than zero. At this inflation rate, prices turn out to be least distorted. We've discussed this issue in detail in October of 2022 in a podcast titled What are the costs of permanently high inflation, which proved quite popular among our audience. Uh, so this shift of the reference point of by 1.5 percentage points means that the ECB's infl inflation target should be 1.5 percentage points higher than it currently is? Well, no, that's actually a fallacy, okay, because there are strong countervailing forces. If the reference point is higher to start with, then nominal interest rates are also higher to start with, which means that the ECB has already some space to cut interest rates following an adverse shock. Uh, 
As a result, the number one force of the, for the inflation target mentioned by the ECB, that is that inflation above the reference point is needed to create an interest buffer, an interest rate buffer to react to adverse shocks is simply less relevant. So, so what is then the overall effect of this finding on the ECB's inflation target from the viewpoint of academic research? And I should mention to listeners, for those who don't know that Klaus is a real expert in that area. So uh, it's wor certainly worth uh, to listen to him here on, on that topic. It, it's worth listening to him anyway, but particularly on this topic, I would say. Well, thanks, Dirk, for the praise. But obviously, I can only speak for myself here. And uh, I think that the lower bound concerns add something on top uh, of the 1.5% reference points I've mentioned before. Perhaps something like one percentage point uh, seems quantitatively plausible. So that gets us somewhere to a target around 2.5% instead of the 2% uh, that, the currently, that it currently is. But of course, there is quite some measurement error as well as a number of other quantitative uncertainties that surround these estimates. I'd say so overall, the ECB's inflation target is quite in line with what academic research has found. There are, of course, some that disagree with this statement. Olivier Blanchard, who actually will have as a guest in our podcast next week, stated that the ECB's target should be around 4% because of the lower bound concerns and the political difficulties associated with large scale asset purchases in the euro area. Yeah, I think he has a point, uh, but uh, it's interesting to see that Olivier has recently adjusted his own estimates downwards more towards 3%, which is not out of line with the 2.5% number I mentioned before, and also well, I'd say within the uncertainty bounds associated with such estimates. What one can say, though, is that the ECB's inflation target is not arbitrary, unlike some have claimed. It's clear that the ECB does not point with its, within its monetary policy strategy summary to specific research papers. But if you look at the background documentation, which is actually quite extensive, in that background documentation, the ECB is making reference to the large body of research that exists on the question of the optimal inflation target. Okay, let's now come to our four additional and quite, shall I say, juicy issues that are sometimes argued to affect the ECB's inflation target. Namely, number one, the argument that it will prove extremely costly to get inflation back to the long run target of 2% and therefore that's not worth it. Uh, the number two argument that we need a higher target because of the green transition and the price changes associated with it, which are assumed to be long lasting and kind of quasi permanent. Number three, the costs associated with changing the target itself in a period of high inflation. And number four, the argument that the unemployment costs associated with bringing inflation down will generate a populist backlash. Yeah, let's start with number one, namely the argument it, that it will be simply too costly to get back to 2% and therefore not worth it. Okay, so the argument is that uh, there is the Phillips curve, which describes the short and long run relations between inflation and unemployment in the economy, and that this relationship has become very flat, which means that movements in unemployment will, other things equal, lead only to very small reductions in inflation. And as a result, it will be very costly in terms of employment to bring inflation down and therefore simply not worth it. 
I think most economists agree that the Phillips curve has become flatter over time. But the problem is that this simply does not imply that inflation should stay high. If the optimal target is 2%, then it is optimal to bring inflation down to 2%, no matter what the slope of the Phillips curve is. That's just a fact that comes out of the solution of even the most basic optimal monetary policy problem. That's why I have a hard time understanding this argument, I must say. The only way I could make sense of it is to assume that the Phillips curve that is in the background of this argument implies actually a long-run trade-off between inflation and output, not only a short-run trade-off. The long-run trade-off view, however, is really perhaps back from the 1960s and 70s, even though it has been revived a little bit nowadays, but it's generally rejected among economists. So let's now move on to the, the next argument, namely that the green transition and the associated increase in the production of new green products, including green energy, of course, is a reason to have high a reason to have a high inflation target. Uh, we also believe that this argument is is quite flawed. Uh, rising energy prices have been a permanent feature since the very start of the monetary union. So to give some numbers, the energy component of the consumer price index has broadly doubled from 1999 until early 2021, that is before the recent gas price surge. And over the same period, prices for goods were broadly flat and prices for telecommunication service were down by 40%. Uh, not of these very large price movements led to very high inflation. In fact, average inflation from the start of the monetary union until the start of 2021 was about 1.6%. So what this really shows is that big changes in relative prices for energy relative to other expenditure categories simply have very little implications for the aggregate inflation rate. It's a fact of life that relative prices trend all the time and strongly so. And true, the green transition will induce new trends in relative prices. But I've shown in my own research that trends in relative prices between different kinds of expenditure categories have very little implications for optimal inflation, second order implications, so to speak. Instead, it is the relative price trends within a category that has a large first order effect on the optimal inflation rate. And it really remains to be seen in which way the green transition is pushing uh, relative price trends is it generating within category trends across category trends i think it's simply not obvious which way it goes now let's think a little bit about the economics of changing the inflation target in particular is it a good time to change the inflation target now well in the present situation the ecb seeks to bring down inflation Having a discussion about a high inflation target will make it quite a bit harder for the ECB to achieve that, actually, and thus seems counterproductive. That's because a high inflation target would most likely lead to increased inflation expectations, and increased expectations will likely trigger higher wage demands and also higher price demands by firms. So you're just shifting everything up, um, and, and that makes it, again, more difficult to achieve what you actually wanted to achieve. Yeah, and a change in the inflation target could also, at least in principle, undermine the ECB's credibility. This is particularly true for a change in the target that moves the target closer to the actual inflation rate, which would be a new thing. 
I could easily see an inflation premium emerging in all long-term bond prices because of this, simply because economic agents press in the risk that the target would be changed again in the future. So from this point of view, the cost of changing the target are probably not uh, really worth it, uh, given the, the size of the target change is probably going to be small, something in the order of half a percent, perhaps at most one percentage point. So that the long run gains um, that uh, are small relative to the cost of changing. I presently don't see these large long run gains um, because the target is close to the optimum, but I see substantial short-run costs of raising the inflation target now because of ECB credibility issues. Yeah, let's come now to the, the last argument uh, that, that we've mentioned, namely that a high inflation target helps preventing the popular backlash against technocratic elites because with high inflation, uh, one does not get the unemployment costs uh, coming uh, stemming from the fact or the, the ambition to get inflation back to the target of 2%. Well, I think this is all quite speculative uh, and I'm overall a little skeptical about this argument. For one, it assumes again that there is a long run trade off between the level of inflation and the level of un unemployment, which is a thing that is generally rejected by economists. And it also assumes that um, only higher unemployment can trigger a populist backlash. What about higher inflation? Um, it, it could also lead to a lot of resentment. And in fact, the Eurobarometer survey conducted by the European Commission uh, showed earlier this year that rising costs of living were the biggest concern for EU citizens. It just seems to me that high inflation is not very popular either. So focusing only on the short run unemployment costs is perhaps missing an important component. Yeah, to, to, to sum it all up, uh, which I'm not uh, not going to do in, in all detail, but I guess it, it became clear that, that we're not big fans of changing the inflation target. And I guess the main argument is we're not that far away from the optimal. At least that's what the research of Klaus and others shows. And if that's true, uh, well, then this is where the, the discussion should probably stop. And, and other arguments, including the, the populism argument, probably doesn't hold up either and and finally it's an important point because that's been said sometimes the inflation target the ecb has chosen wasn't chosen arbitrarily there, there are reasons behind the number they came up with uh so that doesn't rule out that going forward at some point there will be a change again but there need to be better arguments than the ones i guess being put forward that's all for this week and then we're looking forward to next week's uh, edition where we have uh, olivier blanchard